Master Bowman podcast. If you're obsessed with the strategies, gear, and stories that will make you a better backcountry bow hunter, you're in the right place. We're independent, unsponsored, and unbiased, so we can cut the fluff and give you detailed advice on what really works and what doesn't. On today's episode, we finish off the story of my 2020 bull and talk about the rest of Josh's trip. Stay tuned because this one's getting even better. Hey, Josh. All right. Back. All right. All right. <laughs> I feel I feel morally questionable for finishing that one on a cliffhanger. <laughs> <laughs> I know it was so brutal. We're like, oh. yeah, we're like, this is bad timing. But look, it's literally an hour thirty, so you know, we should probably jump right into it for the guys that that carried over to the next episode. You know, mm-hmm. no small talk today. Straight to business. <laughs> all right. So Boulder crashing down the hill. Something's coming. Something's coming. Yeah. It was. Um, you know. So when I like I said, I hadn't really called because I wanted him to think that I was 30, 40 yards down the creek bed and I, I really didn't know he was coming in. So I was 30, 40 yards up for I last called, very fortunately. And the way to picture this little creek, um, it's going, it's steep uphill. It's probably 20, 30 degrees. I mean, you've been there up that, uh, that little creek drainage and the creek itself is kind of a 30 yard area that's open, like fairly open with grass. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's kind of these steep sides on you know left and right, and so I'm walking up kind of where the edge of that grass turns into timber. And uh, when he goes, and I hear him start coming in. I basically just kind of run to the edge, the edge of where the forest begins. And uh, I mean, there's just no there's no trails, right? Like there's just nothing uh, through there that I can see. It's so thick, and so. I quickly ranged and I looked, did one, two ranges. And I'm like, man, everything here is 20 yards. Like there's, I just can't shoot further than 20, um, which was kind of a, the first time I've ever been in that situation. But, uh, you know, I, when I was thinking that, I looked up and, uh, you know, I'm looking, I'm looking right. So I'm 90 degrees to the Creek looking right. And he was angling down the hill straight at me, uh, through the bush. So I could just mm-hmm. see him just blasting through. And he was not, it was not slow. Like he was trotting, you know, he's moving downhill. And so, you know, I'm really quickly, you know, I should have said this first before I did anything. Of course, the number one thing I did is went through my sequence, set up the bow, made sure the slider was good, you know, clipped the release onto the thing, got the arrow knocked every, you know, rate, uh, uh, the drop up, drop away up everything. Right. So I'm set up and sure enough, I look up and there he is coming down. And so, it's pretty quickly apparent that he's coming in and I couldn't really see that trail before, but he's coming straight at me. Um, mm. like this is, this is great, <laughs> right? Like this bull is coming right in. But now that I can see what kind of the little trail thing he's on, I can see that it about 20 yards in front of me forks and goes straight down the mountain towards the Creek. So he's going to come kind of quartering towards me and it goes for a little open spot, right? Where he makes the turn. Then there's a set of little small trees and then it opens back up kind of right down where I called. And I had this split second decision um, of, hey, he's going to be slightly quartering towards me or I think it was more than slightly. It was going to be a quartering toward me shot at the first opening, but the second opening, it'll be broadside, but the wind is going straight downhill. There's slight odds he might pick something up and that's exactly where I called from. Mm-hmm. And every elk I've ever dealt with, they don't go right to where you call from, right? They, they're always going to stop at the window, right? They're going to stop and look and see where you are. And so I had this split second decision of, do I shoot him here? Wait for the perfect broadside. Um, 
And I think what I what I thought in my brain, and who knows if it's right, but split second decisions, I was like, I know I can put it within an inch of his shoulder blade at 20 yards. Like I can put anything in an inch or two inches, you know? Mm-hmm. And um, I said, that's going to be good. That's going to get at least one lung, probably the back of the second, no matter what, even if he's quartering towards me. Because um, I know I can put it inside that golden triangle, right? I think a lot of guys think that if you put you align right behind the shoulder and go straight up. That's where you can shoot, but you can actually nudge it forward where the leg bone bends forward in the body. It's kind of hard to describe on the podcast, but so, I mean, that's, that's a lot of thinking, but it, that was kind of what went through my head in that moment. And, uh, by the time I was done thinking that I was like, Oh man, he's like five yards from the corner. So <laughs> rip the bow back, get it set up. And I, I've never shot an elk at 20 yards. I'm going to shot him at 28, 32 and 35. Um, but at eight, I think it was 18 was where he made the turn. And, uh, that's close, man. Three eighths inch, <laughs> three sixteenths peep. You were like trying to find fur or you could find fur. You're just trying to find him in the thing. Um, mm-hmm. and so he came around that corner and he didn't even stop. I mean, I started tracking with him the second he came around that corner. I saw his leg move forward to step and, uh, it's like the world slowed down and I just held it right behind it and squeezed the trigger and it went off. Just felt like a great shot back tension everything and um when i heard it hit thwack you know the good good sound and the first thing that happened you know when he's coming in i was thinking oh, he's pretty he's pretty big the first thing he did was turn and just blast through the nastiest bush like right through you know straight away from me and mm-hmm. uh, i remember looking and when he did that i looked at the back of his horn and went, holy moly, dude, that, that horn is bigger than my fist. <laughs> and I think at that moment, um, like, I don't know what it is, but when they're coming in, it's just like, you see them and you're like, that's a big elk. I knew it was big and it was shootable. But when he walked away, I was like, oh my goodness, I just shot a giant, like yeah, a yep. giant bull, uh, for public land giant. And that it was just like the most intense feeling to have that happen and be like, this is not just an elk. This is like a dream elk. Um, and you just took that shot. And so, you know, I think from there, everything always gets fuzzy around that moment because there's so much adrenaline flowing, but, um, it actually ended up being a really tough moment because he, he went like 30, 40 yards and then stopped. So he turned and just ran 30, 40 yards and went dead silent. You know, he didn't crash. So I knew he wasn't dead and, uh, just stood there. And so, I'm now in a very difficult situation because I've been huffing it uphill. It's probably, and that morning was like 30 degrees. It was really cold, 30, 35. And uh, there's a down, downhill wind. I'm in the shade. I'm wearing just a t-shirt or a long sleeve vented shirt or whatever you want to call it. And uh, I can't move a muscle because this elk is sitting 30, 40 yards away, right? Mm-hmm. And so I think he expired in about 15, 20 minutes. I will never know for sure, but every few minutes I could hear him coughing, kind of hacking or doing whatever he was doing. He was just standing there. I think he bedded down at one point, but I couldn't see him, but I knew he was 30, 40 yards from me the entire time. He just ran right in there and sat down. So sometime in that period, he passed away, but I just wanted to be extra, extra careful knowing that he's really close and didn't want to bump him. So I just wasn't comfortable doing anything. So I literally had to freeze literally and figuratively (laughs) like 45 minutes. And I remember after 20, 30 minutes, my hands are, I was getting so cold. I'm like, I'm going to get hypothermia. Like I'm starting to like uncontrollably shake here. So 
I think it took me five or 10 minutes to take my pack off super slowly just so I could put on some jackets and uh, get warm again. But uh, I think that was the point where I pulled it out and I texted you on the inReach uh, and Margaret down at camp. And I said, I just shot a giant. <laughs> yep. Yep. I got the text. I yep. was like 400 yards down of where you were at just waiting. Yep. And then I, I just caught the, the text before was that I got from you on the Garmin was like, um, spooked one heading up. I, I hear two more. And then it was a while till I got another text and then bam, it was, I, I just shot a giant. And then you said giant yeah, in all in caps. All caps. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I was like, Oh man. And I don't, I mean, for a lot of guys listening that haven't listened to our other stuff, like I don't at this point in my hunting career, I'm not really trying to go for size. Like I, I, of course, but like, I'm very happy with just learning how to elk hunt really well mm-hmm. and challenging like playing chess with elk, right. Mentally, like that's the fun part. And if that's a five point, I'm just as happy as if it's a, a giant one. So to have this really intense calling chess game pan out and have something like that just blew away all expectations I could have ever had. Right. Which is, yeah. And first time you called in a bull. First time I ever called in a bull. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've called, I've called other ones to close, but first time I ever called one in that I shot. That I shot. Yeah. There. Um, and so, yeah, it's just crazy. So, yeah, I just started running up the hill at that point and then very quickly was like, yeah, I can't keep running. And I got there and you had all your layers on and you were still like shaking cold. Yeah. Like, oh man, I, you said you were jackhammering there, like freezing, waiting for, that elk to expire but yeah well it was the exact recipe for success right i mean i was literally soaked um even with ultra vented super high quality synthetic stuff like i just soaked and i just had to stop completely still in the shade with a downhill breeze and 30 degrees like you're gonna that's just a recipe for failure um so yeah it was pretty intense and i remember before you got up you were like hey wait i want to see you walk in on it um i was like yeah that'd be pretty cool to do that but i i remember that I was like, I need to, I need to be sure this thing's dead. Mm-hmm. And I know the, like, I, I'm not going to walk in with two people, right. To do that because that's more noise, more whatever. And so I got, went downhill about that 40 yards again to where that little elk trail went in. Cause I knew that was the only quiet way I'd ever get through there is along that side hill elk trail. And I slowly, I mean, it probably took me 15 minutes to go 40 yards. Um, I think I waited 45 minutes in total, by the way, um, and then slid down that trail. And I, you know, one of the things I do a lot when I'm really going slow and looking for stuff is I use binos at like 30, 40 yards, mm-hmm. which you can pick out like the tiniest little things. And I was sliding along looking for binos and I saw, I uh, looked at a tree and I saw it looked like a branch coming around it. And it was mm-hmm. one of his brow tines hooking around the tree. <laughs> and I looked up and he was like wrapped around the tree literally wrapped and we've got yeah. some great photos of it and a live elk don't do that because they can't breathe if they're wrapped mm-hmm. around a tree and so i think at that point that was when i started howling <laughs> and i heard you yeah. I, I heard you yeah i heard yeah. you I think you were like it sounded like a wolf or something <laughs> <laughs> i thought you were yelling something to me like here's yeah. where i am or something but i just heard yelling yeah. screaming like, yeah yep. just like yes like it was just such a crazy moment to push through two or three moments of like, I can't do this. I don't want to go further. Like, and then just have it happen. Right. Like it was such an intense moment. And you know, I instantly, I instantly to my credit, I instantly turned around. I was like, I want to see this thing for the first time on camera. So I just turned and walked, but I remember looking at it piled up behind that tree and it was facing me in the, 
I mean, the thing, the guys can look at photos of it on the website or Instagram or whatever, but the thing about this pool that's crazy is how wide it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was I mean, just looking at the tree and seeing the horns stick out, you know, bigger than like a 60 inch flat screen or whatever. I was just like, Oh my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> I had that image in my mind when we, uh, when we met up down there. Yeah. And then I, I ran up there, we met up and then I filmed the whole walk up to that bowl. Yep. And for me, like the mix of emotions, like the, the, just the range of emotions that you feel in that next five minutes yeah. Like from the moment you see the bull to then like, yeah, I don't know. The next yeah. five minutes after that is just, that was intense. That was heavy. Incredibly intense. Yeah. It's, and I mean, amazing it's, too. Yeah. Exciting and sad. And yep. it's, yeah, it's like a huge relief, but it's also like a huge sense of satisfaction and accomplishment. And at the same time, it's like, dang heavy heavy moment and when you said when you closed its eyelids and you said thank you brother i was dude i was tearing up i was like wow this is a big moment what was uh i think it's hard to and i'm trying to uh deal with the emotion here on the podcast but it's hard to put um like the amount of things in life aren't about yeah it's often not about the thing itself it's like the everything that went into it Mm -hmm. and i think the emotion of like the baby you know the move having them there having all that happen having you there at the same time having that monster like all these crazy crazy coincidences that all came together into one thing made it just so incredibly meaningful you know it right. was such a so you hey, anytime I'm, I'm shot out elk with a bow it's a massive moment um that's my fourth one i think and it's still a monster moment for me but just to have that that one meant the world because it was like this just insane yeah uh, insane meaning to it so yeah it was uh you know i'm always a little sad when you walk up on a i mean you look at that thing and you're like that i love the photo of it from the back with me standing on the horns to the side because you can just see its shoulder i mean that thing looks like a roided out weightlifter i mean it is (laughs) that elk was it was an upper right not a downer it was still in the prime of its life going up i think he was probably on the younger side, like he was for a bull that big. Sometimes you see him at eight, nine, 10 years old going downhill with that kind of rack. But he was, you know, honestly, I think another year or two, he would have been, he ended up being a giant five by five, giant mm-hmm. five by five. But I think he probably would have been a six. If not, he would have been a monster <laughs> uh, the next year. So it's cool to see a bull, you know, like that in his prime. Um, yeah. Yeah. Don't get that. Yeah. Open. That was amazing. Oh my goodness. And then you made that point when you touched it and you were like, that's the first human to touch this animal. And it's. Yep. Yeah. That's something my, uh, my, I call him the adopted granddad because he adopted me as a grandson basically in California. I told me, he said, you know, the first, you always have a lot of respect because every animal you shoot, you're the first human, first and last human that will ever really touch it for the, you know, Mm -hmm. and it's in the state it's in now. So um uh he's like that's special yeah it's special right the animal the reputation of you know humans is it's you right (laughs) you are the ambassador Mm -hmm. Uh, i think that was a really good way of phrasing it to put the the weight and responsibility on it so um yeah so it meant meant a lot to do that and it was pretty cool to see him and uh, yeah i think we had a pretty pretty cool moment of rejoicing and checking him out and being like dude this is amazing and then all of a sudden we're like crap (laughs) 
<laughs> yes. And like, then we oh, remember, no. wait a second. <laughs> we forgot to pack food. food. Yeah. Oh, and oh. remember those two times we said we shouldn't go any higher and we kept going. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then, well, the first thing I remember too, is we looked at it we're like, this is like a, and he was not, you know, for his size, he had a relatively, I'd say average body, but that's for his size. Like he was a big elk. And yeah. he was wrapped around that tree. <laughs> that's steep. I mean, it's probably 30 degrees in there. I don't know. 30 degree slope. Yeah. But yeah, uh, I was like, oh, no. Now what? <laughs> yeah. Then we set up the time last video. Yep. Sharpened up the knives a little bit. Yeah. Got to work. And then I was like, because I know I was like, man, we should we should keep this thing out. Like, yep. Because, you know, such a special bull. And yep. You know, your baby Luke's down here. You can tell yeah. stories about it. And so we decided to keep it out, which added more weight. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I'm, I'm eternally grateful for that because I don't, I'm not really a taxidermy guy historically. I just kind of like, well, I'll keep the horns, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, I think the combination of being that far up and then this is also where the drama with the Packers started, right? Um, right. Being that high up, I was like, I just don't want to deal with it. But you were like, dude, you've got to do this. And I'm, right now, I'm so thankful for that. Um, <laughs> and you know, we've, he's at the taxidermist now. But, uh, you know, we because I texted Margaret, one of the benefits of the inReach for you guys that don't have him is have somebody that's got a, uh, some way of communicating with a packer that you can text. Because usually the packer is not going to let you text them, right? Mm -hmm. I texted her and said, hey, we need a packer. And she was with the guys down in camp that were around and they were going back and forth with her. And I'm, and I'm like, no, I need a pack. Like, this is bad. Like we need one. <laughs> mm -hmm. And so they went into town while we were butchering the elk. And so we didn't know if we were going to get a packer or not. So that's why I originally was like, do I want to deal with this or not? Yeah. But uh, you convinced me. So that it definitely took a lot more time because of that. A lot more. I'd say we spent, right. the, we probably hours. spent, we would have only taken two and a half, three hours to butcher it without yeah. that. Yeah, you have to be so careful with it, with the cape. Yeah. Yeah. Big bull like that, thick skin, so thick, so heavy. Um, so anyway, yeah, we we got it done. It was on that hill too, which is really fun. Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> and this was really when we started feeling the foods. As you talked about, we'd, we'd each taken like one or two bars and I'd already eaten one. And I was feeling kind of, I remember I was feeling kind of woozy and lightheaded and just not great too. Yeah. I think it was just the stress all those days coming to, to a head still um mm -hmm. that never really given my body a full chance to recover and uh here i am with like i think i had half a bar and two slices of mango and you had what like a bar <laughs> i had like a little zip block of blueberries um like a half bag full and then another half bag of like trail mix <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> basically nothing you know we haven't eaten yeah. since I don't think we even really ate breakfast. We had like a bar, had a bar for breakfast. breakfast. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so it's really hitting the fan. Oh, one of the best parts of the whole thing is I, you know, I was chasing him. I thought I'd run out of water. So I was mm -hmm. sitting there for that 45 minutes. And when, what I didn't realize is my hose was kinked. But oh, that just gosh. shows the level at which your brain's operating under the, that amount of stress. <laughs> it's like you just don't even think through the logical, which is like yeah. why I just hammer on the memorize your shot sequence, right? Because I couldn't even. Mm -hmm for 30 minutes after I was there, I couldn't even figure out that my hose was kinked. So I actually went to go filter water when you showed up. I remember that. And then I like pulled the bag out and it was full. <laughs> so yeah. So anyway, we, we butchered and what every 30 minutes we'd stop and eat like a 18th of a piece of mango and yeah, <laughs> drink some water. I was getting, it was, it's, it's surprising how 
how tiring butchering that thing is and how much time passes without you noticing your like you're like oh i haven't eaten i haven't had water i stood up and i was like you know blacking out a little bit like yeah oh, i gotta stay hydrated here oh yeah no, that was one of the first things we talked over that story that was one of the worst experiences that first thing it's not having water or food like I specifically tell people that's the most important part of butchering and yet here we are. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so it was, it was pretty brutal. It was a pretty good death march to get that all done. Mm-hmm. I think we wrapped that up around, what was it like two or something like that? Oh, when we got down, down. Yeah. Uh, we were just like done everything in bags and ready to roll. And Oh yeah. Yeah. I think, I think around two ish, two ish. So we could, yep. we took our time and by the time we found the bull, it was 10 30 ish, you know, somewhere right. like that 10. So it was so about quarter hours. And- you had a really good point, which was to quarter it up. And then we found like this small circle of trees where it's like going to be shaded from every angle. Mm-hmm. And then we, we leaned them against trees. So there's still air like coming through all sides yeah. of that, that those quarters and yeah. right by the Creek too. So it's way colder down there. It was mm-hmm. going to be okay. Yeah, no, we were fortunately so high and up in that little slot back there that it felt good. And that's, you, it's interesting guys always talk about hanging meat. I've never once had a problem with a predator. They just don't come to fresh stuff. I mean, I'm not in grizzly country, but they just don't come. And I just always put it on the ground, pee around it, and I lean it up. So only like the very bottom part of it's touching the ground and there's good airflow. And like you said, I find a really thick little ring of pines, you know, like a a Mm -hmm. scope to them because everywhere else you only get sun shade in one direction. And that's in my mind, the single most important thing is sunshade. Yeah. Because you get that, you'll get that stuff bone cold overnight, any night in the woods where it's not like, you know, that, that week where it's 90, right. Any when, even when it's 70, 75, it'll get down to 35, 40 at mm-hmm. the bare minimum. And that, that meat overnight will get bone cold. And, uh, it, even if it's hot in the middle of the day and it's in the shade, it'll stay cold. So, yep. yeah, so we got and, that uh, all set up there, which was really nice. Yeah. And I do want to point out, we did the gutless method. So maybe mm-hmm. that helps with predators. Cause it's not like super stinky and all these guts everywhere, but I, I don't know. Yeah. And I always, I mean, I always try to put the carcass in an easier to get to area and kind of more obvious area. And you know, I leave, I don't pee around the carcass. I just let right. the carcass stuff lay out all over the place. And then I go put the you know, the meat inside of a ring of trees. I pee around it. I make it just not easy to get to, even though it's on the ground and put some sticks in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't, I don't think never had a problem, but so at this point, well, this was when the, the Packer <laughs> drama really panned out so they'd they'd driven into town they'd driven to this other guy's place near the cemetery they'd done all this crazy stuff to go try to find a packer for the area and they found one guy who was willing to do it but didn't have a permit and then they went and found the guy who did have the rights to that area and he said oh i i can't do it as soon as i could do it would be tuesday and even then it's not a guarantee because my clients might shoot a few more elk or something like that and mm-hmm. we said great well then can we just have this other guy do it and he said no it's my unit uh, and that really rubbed me the wrong way. You know, I don't, uh, I don't know too much about the, uh, the guiding rights and that sort of thing in an area, but I think, you know, if he was at bare minimum, should have said, we'll pay me 50 bucks and I'll let the guy do it. I don't, it was just a mess. Uh, yeah. So, you know, bygones be bygones, get to go talk to fishing game or whatever it is, but he really just, just blocked the guy for no good reason. He couldn't said he couldn't help me. Um, yeah. Yeah, uh, and they asked him. It was pretty funny. They they asked him, "So what? Are, you know, what's he supposed to do?" And the guy said, "Pack frame." <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like, what wow. do you suggest we do? Pack frame. Yeah, I mean, that's what we did. All right. it, worked, it worked out, but it was like, man, you just 
Yeah, it was pretty brutal. Um, I remember I got that when we got that text back, like, nope, no Packer. I was, we were just, we had that moment where, like, okay, all right, you accept it. Here it is. We're, gonna, we're just going to get through this. <laughs> yep. And so, what was it? It was like, and we'd been sitting there for like an hour and a half because we were just waiting mm-hmm. for them to find out if they, if they were going to do it or not. Because I was going to change how we loaded it or whatever. And then we, yeah, we boned out the rear quarters. Uh, the, no, no, we boned out the front shoulders. The next front shoulders, day. yeah. Yeah, but that day you had a rear quarter and both back straps in your pack. Yeah. I had one rear quarter. Yep. And yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no back trail. And the other meat. And uh, yeah. I was super sad. The, I didn't really, I didn't even talk about the shot. We should hit that. But the, the shot went in right behind his shoulder and came out mm, probably behind midpoint of his belly on the other side. Mm-hmm. somewhere like that it was fairly high you know about above midline kind of where i like it mm-hmm. and uh i mean he died in 15 minutes went 40 yards so it worked out pretty well yeah, yeah. and we found it was super funny because again to show how fuzz my brain was if i'd moved a foot or two to the left or right i could have seen my arrow sticking in a tree trunk or a mm-hmm. dead tree on the other side um remember that it was like i mean it was in there it went through him and then in in there stuck in there i had to like rock it back and forth to get it out and dig it out with a knife and uh yeah so that thing went through him like hot butter and shot worked out real well but um anyway all that all that to say like it was a good shot it all worked out Mm -hmm. um and we were like you know it's time to (laughs) now it's time to carry it but oh no i don't remember why i brought that up the tenderloins the shot uh-huh. went right through the lower part of the other tenderloin and busted the guts enough that they got on the tenderloin. So remember we pulled those and we're like, oh man, they stink, you know? Yeah. And that's yeah. a really Maybe good, that's a good uh, lesson for yeah. new people. Yep. Yeah. So how can you tell? Smell. 100% smell. I mean, I think well, I was trying to tell you during that too, but like you can, it's very easy to contaminate elk meat. Mm-hmm. And I kind of did it one year without knowing it. But if you even remotely get that smell of guts on your... Uh, knife or on the a piece of meat, you have to throw that meat away or you have to clean your knife. Yeah. Because uh, what people realize is it's not just the stink, it's the fact that that's the bacteria. Mm-hmm. The smell comes from the bacteria, right? That's what BO comes from too. It's bacteria excrement. So when you smell that, you're basically taking a giant Petri dish of bacteria. And if you put that in the game bag with everything else that's clean, you're now making yeah. that. It's, it's going to like go like wildfire. And so... Right. It was really hard to leave those tenderloins behind, trust me. But uh, we had to leave that behind. So we had a little bit of other extra meat. But long story short, I think it was the packs were probably like 70, 100, somewhere in that range. Yours was definitely closing in on 100. Mine was probably 65, 70 or so, yeah. which was heavy for a skinny dude like me. Yeah. And <laughs> that's like 50% of your body weight, my friend, <laughs> literally. <laughs> <laughs> almost almost oh yeah almost. A 70 would be a close close but, uh, yeah. yeah and the pack out so for me my first pack out i thought i was going to be like 10 out of 10 destroyed like that moment you cross a marathon line finish line like yeah. i thought i was going to be dead but it ended up being maybe seven or eight out of ten because yeah. luckily we were just going downhill yeah um, yours is probably way no but that was <laughs> the whole ordeal by far the most miserable I mean, I think there was, I remember when I stood up, I gave it a lot of effort. Then I like gave it 50% more and then I gave it 50% more and then it like barely came off the ground. <laughs> and I remember at that point I thought, oh, this is, this is really bad. Like, I don't, yeah. I don't, I'm going to go. I remember telling myself mentally, just get it down to the Creek. 
And then when I got to the creek, I was like, just get it down to the fork. And then I was like, just like, you can take it off and stash it. Right. Okay. Just get it a little bit down. I think every little bit, I was like, just get it another bit. And uh, it was funny. It was the by far the most miserable stretch was that really steep first half mile. Mm-hmm. Um, I, the whole time I was doing that, I was like, I don't know if I can do this. And uh, once we got past there and I took a little rest, I, I think I'd warmed up and my muscles weren't cold or something, but then, yeah. then I was okay. But uh, that was, that was brutal. And that helped a lot with my mindset. Like, cause you kept saying, Hey Josh, like, like we're going to take it slow. We last thing we want is for you to be injured. So yep. at any point we can just stash this just somewhere by the Creek, we can come back for it. Yep. Well, like we got time, the weather's good. It's going to be cold. We can take our time with this. Yep. That helped a lot with just my mindset, knowing I didn't have to like force anything. Yep. Risk injury. There's, um, yeah. Keep going. Yeah. I think there's two moments and we've talked about that. There's two moments, moments when you have incredibly high odds of getting hurt elk hunting. Um, and that's when you're using the knife when you're butchering. Like that's number one cause of death for guys in the back country is they'll slice themselves too far for medical attention. Right. Yeah. And then the other is packing out because you got such a crazy load on your back mm-hmm. and it's not really the first few hundred feet. It's when you get really tired and you're not paying attention and you pick up a little momentum and you stick out a leg like <sighs> broken ankle city. So yeah, yeah, we're just trying to take it slow. And anyway, well, we can speed it up for some guys, but basically we were very fortunate in that one half of the Creek wasn't really wooded on one side. It was pretty sagebrushy. Mm-hmm. And so we kind of, we tried to stay pretty high actually, which ended up being the right strategy, I think. And, uh, you know, staying probably 50 to hundred, 200 yards above the Creek, depending on where we were. And we went into it a few times when we couldn't get around some trees, but, uh, that ended up not being a horrific pack out just cause it was relatively open. Yeah. Relatively open, just small steps. Cause there's no trail and it's kind of steep. So we're just traversing slowly yeah. and then down. Yeah. Then the next day. <laughs> yeah. We got back that night and it was, yeah. that was a pretty cool moment showing, uh, D and Margaret, the, uh, the elk and they had to drive oh, over yeah. the truck to put it in. Cause the, uh, the hello kitty mobile wouldn't fit the horns. <laughs> they were so big. <laughs> yeah. Couldn't fit in the trunk of that super. Wait, no, so. we didn't take out the horns that night. We, we just took out the meat. Oh, yeah. That was the next yeah. day. That, that was, was the next day. day. So yeah. we were driving back. We saw him and it was this pretty funny moment because we were like so starved from not eating and so excited. But when we got back, we had this massive wave of energy and they like handed us beers. I think it was probably the worst thing we could have done. Drink a beer. Mm-hmm. after being super dehydrated and not eating all day but uh man that was a cool dinner telling them the story and having fun oh yeah i ate so many pancakes and so many eggs that night yeah and yeah. then oh yeah that was awesome that the was next awesome. day was brutal though next day was unbelievably brutal because for guys that really paid attention we basically doubled back when we shot that elk and went up Mm-hmm. And so we had to hike up another valley, go pick up camp, then hike back, then up to, to where the elk, elk was, yeah. then load it up, then hike all of it down, all of it down together. And that cape and horns, holy moly, because we had the head still there, cape something out. So I was not about to use this as my first chance. So I'm like, I'm bringing the whole head. Uh, and man, that thing was heavy. Um, so again, two really heavy loads and the, those horns, man, I mean, it, just for perspective, I don't, how wide would you say those were Josh? Three and a half feet, something like that. Four feet. I don't know. They were wide. <laughs> they're like, you're, if you stick your arms out, they're basically at least where your elbows are. Oh yeah. Right. Oh yeah, definitely. 
Yeah. So they couldn't know. fit. They couldn't, they could barely fit in the back of your truck since you have the camper shell on there. Yeah. And that's an F 150 with a camper shell. They could barely even fit in that. So they're big. They're really big. Um, and so going through the brush <laughs> and they were <laughs> right. so long that, uh, you know, I've seen a lot of footage of guys trying to put the head above the pack, but it just didn't work. We tried multiple ways to get it in there, but we, so we had to put it in the pack, not in the pack, but I mean like, uh, between my shoulder blades essentially and there was no way to rig it so those things were not touching ground so i kind of had to hike out like hobbled over a little bit which was pretty miserable um yeah so we had, had a pretty miserable hike i think we were both feeling it a little bit on the last half of that one yeah and i had two front shoulders we boned out yeah goodness we boned those out i was so happy we did and but still it was i think it was slightly heavier than the day before and what's hard about the second day is you're already sore in places you're not used to being sore <laughs> from the first day <laughs> yeah yeah exactly yeah. so it was but we got it out of there man that was a good feel and that was when we met them at the the trailhead with the, the truck because we're like we can't get these horns in hello kitty so <laughs> yeah yeah then we drove them back to camp and Man, I don't, uh, I don't know what to say about that. That was just an incredible experience. Um, just crazy. Yeah. yeah, that was amazing. Yeah, then we drove out of there, went to that barbecue spot. Yep. Yep, I got yep. a half rack of ribs, twice baked mashed potatoes, and yep. I even ordered a prime rib sandwich to go so I can eat it later. <laughs> yeah, no, it was a marathon day because it's now Sunday, right? And I had to mm-hmm. pack up the entire RV, baby, mama, whole thing, get it all set up pull that thing out of there for the first time in two weeks. And then we, like you said, we drove out pretty slow. We ended up going, going out the long way. Cause it, you wanted to get a hotel there. And I didn't want to go out the other way. That was a little gnarlier mm-hmm. uh, since we had a flat the other time. And uh, that was pretty great coincidence. Cause you, we tried to eat dinner together and the place we wanted to go wasn't open. We're like, we'll keep going. You went to some random bar and they had rib and prime rib night, right? Yeah, it was awesome. And you were a like barbecue joint <laughs> bar slash ammo shop. Yeah. Oh, that was one of the best sandwiches I've ever had. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Yeah, so good. Cause we, we did another marathon and drove all the way down to the processor at like 10 o'clock that night. Jeez. Dropped it off. Um, yeah. Put the head in so it stayed cold. Went and got a hotel. Woke up the next morning and picked it up. Drove the head to the taxidermist, then turned around and picked up the keys to our place. <laughs> Gosh. Oh <laughs> it was my insane. It's crazy. You know, so it was like the amount of stuff that could have happened in that weekend was nuts. So <laughs> big times. But anyway, that's the that's the story. I don't think we forgot anything, but uh crazy stuff. But you still had, you know, I drove back and I was doing a lot of stuff, California, that getting moving stuff, but uh you still had what, two and a half weeks ish, right? Yeah, I had a about two weeks, maybe two weeks and a day left or something like that. Two and a half. Um, I ended up taking a rest day. So I, that night I stayed in a hotel yeah. and I was like, wow, man, next morning I got to check out and go back on the mountain. Oh, I'm just yeah. going to take another day. So I took another day Yep. and instead of like stretching and like going on nice walks and stuff, I pretty much just laid in bed. I watched the Revenant. I bought a bunch of candy and like uh, butter cups and love <laughs> Gatorade. And I was just like coconut water, like just refeeding basically. Oh yeah. <laughs> and, just and, like, you can get back lot. in. Yeah. Took a shower. Um, I had, it was eight days since my last shower. I had a rash on my leg. I was like putting aloe on it. It, it was recover full rest and recovery two days. Yeah, it was. I, when you sent it for one night, I was like, really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> After a weekend like that, I mean, I think I was tired for like two weeks, much less two days. So that's pretty yeah. impressive. You turned around that fast. 
But yeah, then uh, on the 15th is when I headed out and went to my a new spot, which I kind of scouted and asked for some of your advice on, and you gave me a couple pointers. So I, that day was crazy, and this was my closest encounter of the whole month. Mm-hmm. I uh, hike in in the afternoon, like or I, maybe I start hiking in at around 11 or something, 12, something like that. I get to these, like towards these wallows that I wanted to check out in one of my first spots to see if there's sign. Mm-hmm. And uh, at one, my notes say at one eleven p.m. I heard mm-hmm. two bugles. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> two bugles uh, off in the distance, and the two bugles were about five minutes apart. So, and they sounded different from one another. So I was like, okay, it's probably an elk. And then. I just hear crashing coming through the woods, like getting louder and louder, like, like pretty close. Mm -hmm. So I quickly knock an arrow and I range my distances and same thing. I'm like in kind of thick area. So it's like 20, 20, 20. There's like three lanes in front of me and I'm like right off of a pretty thick, well-used elk trail. Mm -hmm. And I range and I put the range finder down and all of a sudden right in front of me is a gigantic bull like i i just remember looking at the antlers and thinking that's a lot of points i i didn't even count how many points. i was just like looking at you'd seen bull. a big elk the day before i mean i don't yeah. i don't know point system or scoring or anything but i mean that's I like, it's easily a 300 plus easily plus elk so you'd seen one so you're not joshing to use a great word right you're like <laughs> i know this is a big elk i was like this is a huge elk and he was standing maybe just under 10 yards, like seven yards away from me. It's huge. And we're just staring straight at each other. And I'm like, I wasn't breathing heavy. <laughs> I, yeah, exactly. I was like, oh my gosh, I'm just stuck here. And I, I just kept thinking like, holy, like I could have this bull down if he walks behind something or like just trying to assess the situation. Mm-hmm. And then the wind was pretty calm at that point, but it was a little bit swirly. And I think he just got a whiff of me mm-hmm. and he just bolted straight up the mountain. Dang. And then right after that, a, one that another bull that was following him on the elk trail popped up right in front of just same spot. And I'm just like, are you serious? <laughs> another gigantic bull. And he kind of walks and like takes two steps and circles around me a little bit and then freezes and just stares, turns his head and stares at me. And I'm like, slightly shaking i'm just so yeah and excited and it it was just unbelievable it was crazy and then he same thing he got a little whiff of me and just bolted in the other way and i just remember taking a deep breath after that like i can't believe that just happened that may never happen again you know i got so close i don't have it again but it was uh I do have to give you a little crap that you had two bulls that close and you didn't get drawn. I know. <laughs> no, that's like right after oh uh, look, so the brutal. amount of times I replayed that in my head. Yeah. And, no, uh, I think yeah. I, I mean I think the thing about that man is like you that that's all victory because to be in that situation and be there, you you scouted a great area, you were walking quiet enough, you did you know, did everything right. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's the thing about elk hunting is it's just you can do a hundred things right and one thing wrong. And that's all it is. Yeah. It's crazy. Right. I didn't even call or anything. They just happened to run. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I guess I was just in the area, but yeah. Looking back when I heard the crashing so loud and all those distances were already so close, mm-hmm. I should have just drawn. Cause it was like, that is close. And I could have, I should have just drawn. Mm-hmm. 
and he would have walked right in front of me. Yeah, perfectly broadside. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, the cool thing is you learn, right? Like you know yeah. what to do yeah. next time. And I mean, I mm-hmm. think we talked about that a lot in this season coming up to it. Is most elk hunters, if you're lucky, you get one good opportunity, mm-hmm. right? And that's, I mean, for guys that are there for a week, I say if you're lucky, lucky, you get one good opportunity. Yeah. And uh, you know, I think you got like one, maybe two, the whole month. Like that's pretty standard, you know. Mm-hmm. and uh that's it and right so it's really it's a it's tough right but i think that it does one of two things it either drives you nuts and you don't want to do it again or it makes you go oh i want to get better and figure this out next year yeah i remember having a huge smile on me like i just, I was just like that was awesome you know yep. at this point i'm halfway through the month i'm like hey you know i still got time yeah but i, I that was amazing yeah. um then I that's what you came for, right? That's it. That's exactly that's it. That's it. Yeah, there wasn't meat on the ground, but like they got 95% of the experience. It was insane. Yeah. And that night I heard a couple more bugles. I tried sneaking in, but wind was a little swirly. Um, and then the the bulls just shut up after that, went to sleep. Yep. And uh, let's see, I'll try to sum up. Next yeah, well, few I think- days, I didn't see much. Uh, next day was completely quiet. It was super smoky. Um, yeah didn't see much. And then I went back to our spot and met up with D. Yeah. You got to hang with him. Yeah. And I think you hit on something we'll talk about in the takeaways and kind of summary podcast too, but I think every area has its challenges and it was pretty clear. Like the challenge, and I've known this for a few years, but you figured it out too. The challenge in the area that we hunt is it's the wind, right? It's almost always swirly or weird there. So just dealing with that and figuring out ways to hunt and times to hunt is... I mean, that's one of the hardest things, right? Because those yeah. elk, if you'd probably just, clearly they weren't too freaked out, but if the wind hadn't swirled, you probably would have been fine. One of them probably would have walked around you. And give it yeah, a shot. they probably would have walked right around like a little tree and I could have pulled back, but. Yeah. And so yeah. you had, uh, I mean, you had an incredible, I think I'm envious. I've been hunting <laughs> longer than you by far. Like I would, I would be killing to be in your shoes. You basically hunted with, two or three different guys for multiple days in a lot of different styles. So walk us through that as you kind of wound down the season. Um, yeah, I actually, yeah, I was, it's amazing to think about that. And, you know, you only get one year to say, Hey, you know, I'm, I'm a first time hunter, you know? So these guys kind of, I think they empathize with me and I ended up including you. I don't know, hunting with four different guys, uh, that month, awesome. different times, half of the month I was probably solo and the other half were with you guys. Mm-hmm. So one of them, let's call him M he's the, no, let's, let's start with D. So D was the first guy I hunted with, mm-hmm. uh, older, really experienced shot six, uh, stick bow for like for years. 60 yeah, or no, for like maybe 30 years or something before switching yeah. to compound. His style is base camp and hike in, and hunt kind of low mm-hmm. and hike back out and he kind of checks a lot of wallows and uh he he's he calls uh mm-hmm. the way he calls is interesting because he'll go in he'll do four or five cow calls all different sounds then he'll walk another 50 60 yards or, or and wait a little bit then he'll do four or five other cow calls mm-hmm. then sometimes he'll bugle but there's like a few lanes, a few spots he knows that they've been at a lot. So he'll just mm-hmm. keep going back and keep going back to those spots and hoping that one day they're just going to be there. And usually I think there is. Mm-hmm. That was his strategy. Yeah. And he's he's um, understated killer. You know, he's been there every year and I got to know him. Great guy. Really amazing guy. And he um, uh, he, he just knows his stuff. I mean, that's, uh, there are years from there and he's, you know, he had the stick bow. He could have killed a six point if I had a compound. 
could have killed a five point if I had a compound. Could have, you know, like he's <laughs> there's years when he could have killed five or ten bulls. And so I think he's a great counterpoint against a lot of the stuff guys here now, which is like backpack in, go super far, you know, do this sort of thing. Like he, it's clear his advantage is he knows that place like the back of his hand, right? right. And he knows elk behavior like the back of his hand and he's an unbelievable woodsman mm-hmm. uh, i would last person on earth that i know that hunts that i would want walking in on me trying to kill me if i was you know <laughs> in the middle of right. the would be him right. so that's his style so you got to see the like the stealthy predator you know <laughs> yeah yeah there were some mornings we'd go out dark just pitch dark and we would get to his spot while it was still pitch dark and just sit there and the way he was able to get to exactly where he wanted to go through all that thick stuff with no trail for most of it, I, I was pretty impressed. Um, and that's a lot of the skills, you know, kids my age don't really get to develop because we got Onyx maps and all that stuff now. That's not sexy. You don't sell that at an elk course or a online <laughs> thing or talk about it in a podcast. Like that takes a lot. That's just, just woodcraft. That just takes a lot of work right yeah a lot of years a lot of time yep. and you know to find those wallows by accident you know they didn't have e-scouting back then and whatnot so so yeah, so a lot of those respect for him can't find e-scouting right there in the middle of nowhere so yeah yeah so, so then, then I hunted, the next uh hunted with m for just one evening uh this guy's like a, he's known to be a killer uh that's what everybody at camp was saying uh i was like i'm not gonna bring my bow i'm just gonna follow you around and then his friend told me like dude, you're hunting with a killer. You need to bring your bow. And I was like, am I being stupid right now? And he's like, yes, go get your bow. <laughs> and then, so I went and grabbed my bow and we walked around. Cal, he calls a lot, a lot. Cal calls a lot, almost like every minute or two, just little real quiet ones. And he'll mm-hmm. vary it up to super quiet. And then we hear another, we hear a, uh, a spike, like a really squeaky bugle. And we sneak up on them and, oh, it's two hunters. So, because <laughs> when we got really close, we were like, I'm pretty sure that's another hunter. So, M yeah. did like a fake turkey call out of the elk call. And then the guy responded with another turkey call. We just started laughing. Yeah, amazing. That's yeah. pretty good. Yeah, I actually, uh, he's a known, like you said, a known killer. He, every year he kills big elk. He's just, you know, we had this running joke. And everyone's like, who's the best hunter? And out there and they all talk about guys they know podcasting and you know on social media and all this stuff and i'm like dudes the, the best hunters don't do that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> like, fact right they don't have time to do that and he's one of those guys he just kills elk like fly i mean he's incredibly good but he's a really yeah. really again really unique style like that guy bugles and cow calls i mean like i can track him around the entire valley when he's there Mm-hmm. because i can hear him the entire day he's just just ripping them all day and he won't hunt any other way he'll just rip bugles all day going yeah. after elk and uh i've stalked in on him and uh i was really really proud once because i told him i stalked in on him and he didn't know i was there and i was like sweet all right i'm doing yeah. <laughs> um so, so yeah and uh it was so crowded in the area we were hunting he eventually left uh he he got a bull and uh other side of the unit and uh, pretty good one too. Yep. Anyway, so that was him for one evening. Then the other guy, we'll call him C. I hunted with him for three full days after D left. And I actually got to stay in his little uh, RV too, which was nice having a, a bed. Uh, yeah, that late season here. when it's freezing. Yeah, he was super nice. Just he said when he was my age, there was a, a guy around 40, 45 years old who kind of mentored him and brought him on a few hunts. And he, he was like, 
maybe he saw a little bit of that in me and he was like, you know, why don't you just come with me? So we went uh, to back to that first place I went where I saw those two bulls Mm -hmm. and we saw a big six point like tall it wasn't wide but it was tall mm-hmm. and uh he went into some super thick stuff couldn't get to him we were maybe 100 yards when we uh, no maybe 150 yards when we first saw him mm-hmm. so that was cool just getting to see that and then he hunts him him m and d they all don't backpack in but what was impressive about c is he still goes high and he still goes far back this guy can put in miles i think he's 44 years old and he was hiking fast yeah um some things i learned from him he he has 14 cameras set up in like four or five different valleys on all these wallows that he's found he's been hunting this area 22 years so he'll set up all those cameras in the month of august and just take inventory and Mm -hmm. he's the guy he's at the point now he will not shoot he won't shoot a five by five. There was a video. You passed one up this year at a wallow that actually ended up stepping on his foot. Um, exactly. <laughs> pretty crazy, but he'll pass that up. And so he's looking for the big one. Mm-hmm. So that's one thing about him. He doesn't really call. He's spotting stocks. Yep. That's his style. But he also, what gets him bull, what, why he's so successful. I think is his work ethic. Like late at night, mm-hmm. he'll go hike into another Valley 30 minutes in, five eight hundred feet up and just bugle at like 10 11 p.m yeah come back next morning it's dark he'll still hike out there the next day he's not gonna sleep he's just gonna work yeah that's uh that's uh uh we just had a cool podcast with dan up from elk shape and he said an elk nugget right it's a great great elk if you bugle it during the night you know like middle of the night if you wake up at two or three it's best in the morning and you Mm -hmm. bugle if there's a bull in the valley it's coming back yeah so that's gosh bless you if you want to deal with that <laughs> but if you're <laughs> right. desperate to know that is one way to know for sure but yeah that is that's tough stuff man you don't yeah he'll drive that. to another spot bugle there hike in bugle there go to back to his car drive back sleep in his rv then drive back out hike in the dark yeah and also he he'll hike in the dark solo he's not scared at all he'll wait yeah. till pitch black before he hikes back yep. um which is really cool too we should have him on the podcast sometime. He's so experienced. It'd, it'd be cool. Yeah, um, no, absolutely. He said also when he hears a bull bugle super loud, he sprints right to it because it can't hear him at that point <laughs> to try to close distance. Like while it's bugling? While it's bugling, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But we ended up not really seeing anything for the rest of the time there. And uh, that pretty much wraps up my season. I was, I remember the last night he told me to sit a wallow where we'd seen a raghorn or he's seen a raghorn on the camera like five days before. Mm-hmm. So, and they, all the bulls had shut up at this point, you know, last week of the season. Mm-hmm. I remember just sitting there hoping, <laughs> you know, Please. hey, it's last day, maybe something can happen. And I just remember as the sun was setting and maybe it was like 20 minutes before dark and I was starting to accept like, all right, I didn't get one this year. Just the sense of, gratitude and peace just kind of came over my body i I just was like i remember sitting there thinking just savor every one of these moments right now because you know fast forward one month you're going to be working you know sitting in front of a computer all day and i just took a few breaths yeah and i just took a few breaths and took it all in and just it was just so grateful to be out there in the woods yeah i think it was uh i mean i think before it's funny how 
hopefully to you, it seems as funny as it did to me then. But I remember when you're asking me, oh, like, is it, should I get one? This is, you know, off the, off the podcast. Like, dude, oh, the guy's going to be really upset if I get one. Do you really need me to get one? And I was like, Josh, I could care less, man. Like, you, it's not about that. You really, like, you will be, what I really want is you to have a good time and learn a lot. And mm-hmm. uh, I think you kind of got it there at the end. You're like, wow, yeah. this is like, it almost would have been a pity if you popped one a few days in because <laughs> you might've missed out on all the stuff you yeah. got. And uh, I think you got an elk education on par with, <laughs> I don't think, I don't think anyone, I don't know of a single human being who's probably learned that much in one elk season. Wow. Literally. I don't, wow. I mean, I really don't. Cause even you guys have listened to tons of podcasts, talked to tons of guys. I don't, I don't know anyone who is a, at that age, able to go that long and B is, is trying that much stuff and hunting with different guys and diverse techniques in different areas. You know, like they're right. There's uh and a lot of elk hunting, you know, it's like the rest of life, right? It's 50% hard work, 50% skill. And you never know if it's, you know, what the combo is of those two, right? Is it 1% mm-hmm. 99? You, you just don't know. And so it could easily happen. It could easily not, but for you to get all that experience was just amazing. It's pretty yeah. Cool. I I'm so indebted to you and D and M and C, but especially you for like, I, this would not have been possible. I remember, I don't know if I've said it on the podcast, but elk hunting for me was a five-year goal. You know, I was like, all right, sometime within the next five years, I'm going to go. And for it to be from when I set that goal for it to be, you know, a little over a year later to go for a full month and have all the guidance that you've given me. Just want to say, I said it so many times, but I just want to say thank you again on air and you've changed my life. Yeah, of course, man. I remember you thanked me, you sent me a text and that meant the world to me to get that. And, uh, you know, here you said it in person too. You didn't just send a text, but I remember that that was uh, that's a meaningful moment. It is as meaningful to me as it was to you. Like I said, it's, uh, when you teach something or when you watch someone else relive it, it's, I think if there's one thing we can wrap this whole series up with, it's that that's what I want to encourage guys to do. Even you one year in can now help other guys. And it's, uh, it's incredibly rewarding as a hunters, you're, there's this pressure to not share and kind of keep things secret. And it's like, no, there's more than enough for everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, it's incredibly rewarding and amazing to have that. So it's lifelong friendships and great times, right? Like I, that's, I, I don't even think twice about getting that, that bull mounted somewhere. I can see it every day because that's, I'm going to look at that. I'm not going to, you know, I'll think about the bull and the incredible moment, but I'll just think about what a cool year this has been. Yeah. How crazy how this whole thing was that it all worked out that way. It was pretty, uh, pretty awesome. Yeah. And I remember we had dinner with your dad and he was talking about how this is an apprenticeship yep. person, you know, and he, the way he described it from book to field is very hard to translate. So you got to, it's an apprenticeship. You got to watch people. Traditionally, it's people with their dads, but you know, our both our dads don't hunt or bow hunt. And uh, it's funny because I went with my friend Braden out to a small piece of property here in California to hunt blacktail deer, and he brought me out there because he doesn't know how to skin an animal and butcher it and stuff. He's brand brand new, where I was a month ago, and he's relying on me and he's asking me questions and he's like. Yeah. And I'm starting to notice the things I'm taking for granted that I learned last month. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> With things that he's like, he's sitting somewhere and he, I was like, you have an arrow knocked, right? And he's like, oh, oh, I do now. And I'm like, oh, yeah, like all these little things you take for granted. Um, but yeah. thank you. It's, it's a friendship thing and mentorship is a big theme of ours. So, yeah, totally. And yeah. I think you hit on another good one. I get every now and then I get a little 
hate mail or a message of, Hey, how long have you been hunting? I've been doing this 30 years. Like, you know, you act like, you know, your stuff. And I think I've tried to be pretty transparent. Hey, I'm not the world's expert. I've done this five years. Yeah. I have a good hit rate, but that could be luck. That could be not, you know, whatever it is. Right. Mm -hmm. But I do think that, um, it's a complete lie that you can't, let me put it this way. A guy who's devoted his life and been super interested in it and gone for four weeks in one year, I'd take that over a guy who's gone for 10 years, 20 years, and kind of just been there five days and kind of put in an effort and left. Right, right. And so I'm not saying that that means you're better than those guys or not, but I'm saying anyone, the real message of that is that anyone can help someone. Mm. Right. Like, even if you're like Josh, you've got one, you know, if this is your first season, he's already helping someone else. Um, he's got it. And I think another thing, your credit that I think I've taken away from this too is that you, it's not an accident that you had three different, four different guys mentoring you. You didn't meet any of these guys till the day of in the field. It wasn't like you planned that four months ahead of time and met mm -hmm. them through a friend and did whatever. You just showed up with a super positive attitude asked a lot of questions and were you were willing to be humble and willing to learn. And I think we started this out with a negative event of kind of that guy coming down and right into the middle of the trailhead with six people already there and saying mm -hmm. he was going to blast in and yada, yada. And I think we're ending on a really positive note where it's like, if you, if you approach guys that way, you share the fire, you share the passion and you're hungry and humble, like they're going to help you. Right. Yeah. So I think huh. you kind of unlocked the secret to that too, where you got, an unbelievable amount of mentorship and help. And, you know, guys listen to this podcast and I've had a few people reach out. Hey, can you, can you hunt with me? Can I be Josh next year? I've had that, you know, two or three times now, which is kind of funny. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, uh, uh, but it's not, you, you know, you can just reach. Yeah. I mean, do that. That's great. I was like, that's awesome. You're, you're doing that. Like just do that with everybody, you know, or you meet someone in the field. Mm -hmm. You don't have to walk up to him and be like, can you mentor me? That's a little weird, but just like yeah. start asking questions and, you know, be friendly and give them help and advice, you know, it's right. Uh, yeah. It's good stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm just so grateful. I, I can't believe it's just even going through this story again, reflecting on it. It's just, um, I can't believe I got to do it, you know? And yeah, I remember the day after elk season, I was like 364 more days or no, what is it? 334 more days till I could do this again. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm already excited because now we get to hunt elk in 2021 series. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And I think you're in a, you're in a situation that, well, you're in a situation that, uh, what 90% of hunters are in every year, which is, Hey, I, you know, I didn't get one this year. I want to go get one next year. So it's oh, not yeah. a very normal situation. And like you, but you've, I think you are, you are infinitely more dangerous now. Um, cause you know, a lot of stuff going into next season that you're going to hone on the off season. Now to defend my honor. I did get you your first chucker within a few days. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Consolation prize. <laughs> yeah, we had a great, you know, Josh, actually, this is even, this is to my discredit. I told Josh I was going to come up and try to anchor him, right? Come help him hunt for the last two or three days. And it became pretty apparent between the, the wife and the baby that uh, I'd already used up a lot of my capital <laughs> for two weeks. <laughs> oh, yeah. And I really needed to be home. And like, you know, it turns out when you move a house with a baby, you should probably be around to help set it up a little bit before you get the other loads and all that stuff. So, um, I overpromised and underdelivered for poor Josh. So, uh, you came out after the last night, you drove through the night to get here in time to go for a hunt that morning. Mm -hmm. I remember we went chucker. Oh yeah, that's right. It was the next day. Yeah. I got yeah. to your place at like 2am. Yep. And then we got up at seven, went chucker hunting. 
I was exhausted. My last three days of that season, we did beat. 2000 up, down, and like seven, eight mile days every day. <laughs> yep. But yeah, you I got shot my to... first chucker in the air. I was so happy. Yeah. Here, like you qualify that. <laughs> yeah. It was, uh, it was this, the real deal. I mean, we went up and down a bunch, saw a few, did a pretty long round trip hike, and then uh, we got to do the, the, Navy SEAL sprint, right? Fully loaded for like a mile all oh, out. Yeah, because you right, saw a bunch right. running on the other side and got mm-hmm. over there and you knocked one down first shot. So it's pretty darn cool. It was awesome. And uh, my physical fitness level after that month is my cardio is probably, probably pretty close to when I was like marathon training, you know? Oh, yeah. So I've been still running. I've been running almost every day and uh, lifting some weights a little more, just getting ready for next season. Yep. No, we, uh, I want to dive right into like, what did you learn and what were the things I know because fitness, I remember we talked about fitness, but we will hit that next podcast. But I remember even already I've looked at my run times before the season and now, and I'm, you're the same heart rate. I'm going a minute, minute 30 faster. Oh yeah. I'm like breathing through my nose the whole run. I'm just, I'm not even, it's not bad. Yeah. Yeah. So spoiler alert for that one, but fitness matters. (laughs) Yeah. Cool, man. Well, I think, I think we got it. That's three pretty long podcasts, but for a month of, uh, some incredible, incredible times, we've got the full story and, uh, we're going to do after this is break it down into two more podcasts. One on, you know, the things we learned, like the big takeaways. Cause I know we talked about a few little stories, but we couldn't talk about every single little one. Cause that would be a, <laughs> I mean, a month long podcast. Yeah. Right? <laughs> uh, right. So talk a little bit about like the big learnings we had about things like fitness and you know how to approach elk and that sort of deal. Um, and then I think we're going to do one on gear in specific because that's my thing, yes. right? And just and also yeah, stuff that worked stuff that didn't. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, got a lot of thoughts there, and uh, a lot of thoughts. Thank you what so you, much, Baxter. Yeah, man, absolutely. It was uh, it was awesome. So. And it is just starting. I think that's the coolest thing about this is that uh, this wasn't a one and done. Like you were, you're clearly, I remember asking you after like, so what do you think? Are you excited about elk hunting? Are you, a, and you didn't even like hesitate. You were like, this is the most amazing thing ever. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I was yeah. like, well, he's hooked. I'm addicted. I was like, t- I was talking to maybe it was you or someone else a couple days ago. And I was like, I'm, I'm young right now. I want to spend the next, like the next five years. I want to spend as much time as I can. Bo. <laughs> it's, uh, it's not going to go away. So yeah. we're looking forward to next season already. Good times. Yep. Awesome. Well, thanks for tuning in guys. We'll, uh, like I said, we'll be back with those two episodes next. We've got a uh, cool guest appearance coming up. We have another guest that's already been on the podcast. We've got some really cool things here for the off season and for 2021. So Thanks for bearing with us for the the month or month and a half of silence. And we are back to the races. And of course, if you like our show, please leave us a review or a five-star rating if you think we deserve it. And then keep sending us emails. We, We love that stuff. So thank you. Thank you for listening and thanks for your support.